we are in the throes of our series called Built to Last. And we've been looking at the family and looking at seven commitments that if you make these commitments, then you'll be making and building a family that is built to last. And so hopefully you've been taking good notes, you've been talking about this stuff, trying to try to build these things into your life and into your family. And so today I wanna move on to our next commitment. So we're gonna put it up on the screen here and let's uh, do what we've done every week in this series and read it out loud uh, together, all right? So nice and strong, here we go. Families that are built to last resolve conflicts and repair relationships in a healthy way. All right, you get that? So families that are built to last, they, they kind of know how to resolve conflicts at home and how to repair relationships in a way that's healthy and strong. Let me ask you something, you got any conflict at home? All right, don't have to answer that out loud, by the way. All right, but, but you got conflict at home? Uh, yeah, we all have conflict at home. Every single one of us, if you put live people together, you've got conflict, right? The issue is not if you have conflict or not, the issue is how are you managing that conflict? How are you resolving that conflict? And interestingly enough, how you respond to conflict has a lot to do with even your own development as a child. Uh, Dr. Ed Tronic is an expert psychiatrist, psychologist, ch early childhood specialist out of the University of, of Massachusetts in Boston. And his whole research has been on how children and parents interact and how they connect and deal with conflict and resolution. And interestingly, in his studies, in his research, he calculated that parents and children, and I'm talking about infants now, are connected, they're in connection only about 30% of the time. The other 70% of the time, they are disconnected or they are working their way back to connection. He said even infants can sense disconnection and try to reconnect with their eye contact, with their body movements and smiles and so on. And uh, so he went on to say, and other psychologists have, have chipped in to say that every relationship has a cycle, what we call a relational cycle. And that cycle starts with connection. We'll put that up here on the screen. Uh, connection starts with connection. And then that's where you feel loved, you feel heard, you feel safe. And then that connection will somehow be interrupted with a rupture of some kind, uh, maybe a conflict, maybe distance, uh, maybe a feeling of uh, disconnection from that person. And then there will be a desire to repair that. So there'll be a efforts to repair that relationship to somehow get back to connection again. That this is a common cycle that every relationship goes through. In fact, he went on to say, not only does this happen with children, with infants, but it happens with adults and it happens throughout the day, multiple times a day. You're going through these, these cycles of connection, a rupture, repair, and so on. And so we all deal with conflict in our relationships. I remember when uh, one of my daughters was in middle school and, and she told me this story about one of her classmates that came to school and, and she was kind of dressed in a very eclectic uh, manner with all kinds of different kind of weird pieces of clothing on. And another girl in the class uh, asked her, said, why, why are you dressed that way? And to which the girl replied, and I'm, this is a sixth grade girl, all right? So just imagine maybe her hand on her hip with her hip cocked, you know? Uh, she said, I have my own style. 
it's a combination between goth and skater chick, all right? And so uh, you have your own style when it comes to conflict resolution. In fact, I'm going to read off a few styles, and you see if any of these fit you or your family members. And by the way, no elbowing is allowed in this section of the talk, all right? Here's some conflict resolution styles. The volcano. You've had enough till you can't take it anymore, and there's an explosion that's going to happen. There's the debater that's going to constantly go into debate mode to try to prove their case and, uh, and to prove how you're wrong and they're right. There's the ostrich that wants to stick their head in the sand and just ignore that there's any conflict at all. There's the pushover that quickly acquiesces to whatever the other person says just so they can keep the peace. There's a deflector that says, it's not my fault, it's everybody else's fault, right? And constantly deflecting blame. There's the silencer that just goes silent, either to bring you into submission or to make you pay the price, all right? And then there is the negotiator that's always ready to cut deals and, and make negotiations to settle the problem. Now listen, you may be one of those, you may be a combination of those, that would be a fun lunch conversation, which style is yours, all right? But what I wanna talk about today is how to resolve conflict and how to repair relationships in a healthy way and in a biblical way. And by the way, I'm giving away something today for free. On your app, we're giving away a free ebook called Fight Right. This is a, a book that I wrote uh, several months ago, and we've been training our staff in that, and we feel like that it would be very beneficial to you. We've also trained pastors across the country in this tool, Fight Right. So if you just go to the app, it's right there on the front page. You can click on it and read it right there. I hope that that'll be a blessing uh, to you, okay? Uh, but get your Bible and open up with me to Genesis chapter 13. By the way, the message I'm giving is not in Fight Right, so this is additional content other than what you're going to get in, uh, in the ebook. all right? Genesis 13, and we're going to look at a family that's in conflict. This is a family, they're in a real conflict, and how they resolve this conflict is an example for us in how to resolve conflict in a biblical and healthy way, all right? So let's look at it, Genesis 13, we're going to begin at verse 5. And we're just going to jump straight to the conflict, all right? Here's a conflict starting in verse 5. This is the word of God. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abram, also had flocks, herds, and tents. But the lamb was unable to support them as long as they stayed together, for they had so many possessions that they could not stay together. And there was quarreling between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at the time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were living in the land. Now stop right here for just a minute. Let me set the little stage here. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, and his nephew, Lot, were called out of a pagan city called Ur in the Chaldees and Mesopotamia and led by God to the promised land, to the land of what is modern day Israel. And there they settled and God blessed them. This is the first occurrence where we learn of Abraham's wealth that he was wealthy and Lot was wealthy. In fact, you look up at verse two, it says that he was wealthy in livestock and he was wealthy in silver and gold, right? So he's very wealthy. And it's a good reminder to us that just because you have a lot of possessions doesn't mean you often ha also have a lot of peace in, in your home. You can have a lot of possessions and not any peace at all. In fact, uh, 
just like the great theologian, the notorious B.I.G. once said, uh, more money, more problems, all right? Uh, and then also in verse 7 here, it says that it's very interesting. It has this little parenthesis. It talks about the Canaanites and Perizzites in the land. It's just interesting to note that whenever there's conflict, the enemies of God are never too far away. And I've found that when you have conflict in your marriage, there's always somebody at the office that doesn't walk with God, doesn't know God, that is very quick to give you advice about your marriage that's not godly advice. I've often found that, that when you have conflict in your home, that that's an open door for a spiritual attack. And so many times we're so worried about the attacks of our, of our conflict and we are unaware that there are spiritual attacks and spiritual dynamics going on that only God can can intervene and deal with. And so here, there's this attack. There's a conflict between Lot and Abraham. Their herdsmen are now fighting. There's conflict, and it needs to be resolved. So how do they resolve the conflict? Well, they're going to show us uh, an example of how to resolve conflict in your home. I'm going to give you five things today. You have to take notes quickly. All right? I got a lot of content today. Five things you can do to move um, toward conflict resolution and repairing relationships. Are you with me? Say amen. All right, point number one, write this down. Check your own heart. Check your own heart. Look back up at verse one, Genesis 13, verse one. Abram went up from Egypt to the land of the Negev, he and his wife and all he had, and Lot was with him. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold, and he went by stages from the Negev to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been formerly been, to the site where he had built the altar, and Abram called on the name of the Lord there. Now, let me just explain what that means, okay? Once Abraham and Sarah and Lot got to the promised land, God's blessing them, and then all of a sudden there's a drought. The drought comes, they are unwilling, unable to trust God to provide for them in this drought. So what do they do? They run to Egypt. And in Egypt, Abraham has his first epic fail. This man who's known as a man of great faith did not act like a man of great faith. He was fearful. His wife was so good looking. He was afraid that the king was going to kill him and take his wife as part of his own harem. And so he lied and said that she wasn't his wife, that she was his sister. And there's this whole scandal that goes on. And if you want to know about that, you can read uh, the previous chapter some other time. But suffice it to say that God preserves him from that, brings him back to the land of promise. He goes back to where he had camped before and back to an altar that he had built before. Now he's a broken man. Now he's known he's failed. Now he knows he's disappointed God and really put his own family at risk. And he cries out to the Lord. He calls on the name of the Lord. Now we don't know what Abram's prayer was like. We don't know exactly what he said. I tend to think it was probably something like, God, I really blew it. God, I can't believe I let this happen. God, I should have trusted you more. I have to think that there, maybe there was some recommitment in Abraham's life to, to truly trust God in his circumstances. But whatever the case was, Abraham was getting right with God. Now, I think it's fascinating that the very next verse, after it says he called the name of the Lord, that there's a conflict. And here's my point, that how you walk with God has everything to do with how you handle conflict. If you're walking with God well, if you have, you're walking with God in a personal, intimate, dynamic way, 
filled with the Spirit of God, then you're going to handle conflict in a more healthy and biblical way. But if, if you're not really walking with God well, then you're not going to handle conflict well. Jesus said the very same thing. Uh, when, he's, when he said, uh, why is it that you are, are trying to pick out a splinter in your uh, brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye? In other words, you got to check your own self first. That's what Jesus was saying. Check your own heart first. Check your own motives first. Check your own perspective first and say, God, am I operating in the flesh here? Am I operating in the spirit? Am I just upset because uh, this, this cramped my style or, or offended me or am I willing to forgive? God, am I, am I seeing your perspective or am I only seeing my perspective? I, I just found over and over and over if, if I check my heart first and really make sure that I'm right with God this way, then I'm more likely and inclined to be able to resolve conflict this way. And so the first thing that you have to do is you've got to check your own heart. God, am I walking with you? Is there anything in me that you need to change and deal with before I deal with this problem? Okay, number one, check your own heart. Number two, acknowledge the conflict. Just acknowledge the conflict. Look at verse Eight, he says, please, let's not have quarreling between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. Abraham just acknowledged the conflict. Hey, Lot, we got a problem here. Our guys are fighting. We've got an issue here. Let, let, let's not have a big, big fuss over this. He just acknowledges what everyone already knew, that there was a conflict. Listen, when you, when you have a conflict in your home, you need to ask yourself the question, can I overlook this conflict? Can I overlook this? Can I overlook the offense? Psalm 19 verse 11 says, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. My wife does this all the time, okay? She's constantly overlooking an offense, right? I, I forget an appointment, you know, I don't do something I'm supposed to do. I, I leave stuff out that I was supposed to put up, whatever the case may be. She oftentimes will go, oh, well, that's, you know, she just overlooks an offense. That's called love, okay? That's called grace and mercy. And she overlooks an offense. But maybe you can't overlook it. Maybe this offense you have overlooked it and it's a continual thing. Or maybe now it's affecting other people. Maybe it's a getting out of hand. That's what was happening here with Lot and Abram. They, their conflict was now affecting other people so much so that they just could not overlook it. So what did he do? Well, he acknowledged the problem. He said, hey, we got a problem. We have to figure out a way to settle it. Listen, the first thing you need to do once you say, I can't overlook it, and you've checked your own heart, is you need to acknowledge the problem. Two different times Jesus said, when you're dealing with conflict resolution, he said, go to the person, go to your brother. If you're there at an altar and you know that God reminds you that your brother has something against you, leave the altar and go and make it right. In Matthew 18, if there's a conflict, you go to your brother and you work it out just between the two of them. And then if that doesn't work, then you can involve other people. But, but the first step is always to acknowledge the problem and go to them. And this is the very part that we don't like to do, right? This is the hard part. This is the part we, we, we don't handle very well. We don't want to go to the person. We want to go to somebody else and talk about the problem, right? I, I don't know how many times people come to me, Pastor, I got a conflict. All right, great. Tell me about your conflict. Well, and they'll tell me, and I'll say, well, what did that person say when you went to them? And usually there'll be a little, uh, little pause, and they'll say, well, I, I, 
I actually haven't, haven't talked to them yet. And then my next question is, why? Why would, you talk, why would you talk to them about it? I mean, you know, biblically, we're, you got to go. We don't talk about people. We talk to people. And so how, how, why didn't you do that? And normally it comes back to, well, you know, I'm just not really good at conflict or, or I'm afraid that what they'll say or I'm afraid what they'll think or I'm afraid of reprisals or whatever the case may be. And so we allow our own fears, our own insecurities maybe to keep us from addressing an obvious concern, right? So we go, we go tweet about it or we go post something about it on Instagram or Facebook or, or we go to our friend and we commiserate together. We, talk, we go over their head and post a complaint at the office about something, but we don't really deal with it one on one. Jesus said, go to the, your brother, go to the person. Abraham went to Lot face to face and he said, hey, let's acknowledge the problem together, okay? Think about it this way. If you have an engine light that's on your car and it's there, uh, it, it's not, the problem's not getting any better. It's not going away just because you ignore it, right? It's only gonna get, somebody tell me, worse, right? I have, I have a toothache and the toothache is just, just killing me. Every time I drink something hot or cold, it's just killing me. Uh, and I don't go to the dentist. It's only gonna get, somebody tell me, Worse, it's only gonna get worse. And if there's a conflict in your family and you're not addressing that, that issue, it's only going to get worse, right? So I have to acknowledge that there's a problem. It doesn't mean you have to wade into who's at fault or what, what's, who's to blame. It's just to say, hey, this isn't working out very good, is it? And let's just acknowledge that things are a little chippy around the house. Let's acknowledge that it's a little cold around here because we're not communicating. Let's, let's acknowledge that there's something that's not right so that we can work on it together, all right? So number one, I gotta check my own heart. Number two, I gotta acknowledge the problem. Number three, I need to prioritize the relationship. I love this, look at verse eight. He said, please, let's not have quarreling between you and me and between your husband and my husband since we are relatives. Get that part? He said, because we're family, <laughs> and our family's more important than cows. Our family's more important than goats and sheep. You know, this is family here, so we can't let this stuff impact who we are and what we have going on here. Listen, couples that, that resolve conflict really well start off not with ultimatums like, well, you can hit the door if you don't like it or, or whatever the case may be. Now, and they never do that. What they say is, listen, our relationship is our top priority, my top priority. I care more about you than anything else, all right? So I don't want anything else to get in the way of this right here. So whatever it is, we can fix it. We can deal with it. Cars are cars. Stuff is stuff. You know, whatever the thing is we're arguing about, that's going to be dealt with. But this is our most important relationship right here. And this is what I want to guard more than anything else. When you just affirm the relationship, it opens people up. Listen, the problem is when you have conflict, people naturally close off. Their hearts close. They become disconnected. They don't want to talk. They don't want to make eye contact. They don't want to resolve the problem because their heart is closed because of the offense. And so what you got to do is open up their heart. And one of the ways that you open up their heart is you have to create a safe place for that person to be able to share what they're really feeling and what they're really dealing with without feeling like you're going to attack them for it. 
You have to create a safe place to have a hard conversation. In fact, uh, I, I know as a, as a young husband, I didn't even understand these principles and I was not creating a safe place. And, and, and many times Liz would be closed off because I didn't know how to do that. And then I discovered some things that really helped helped me to create those safe environments where my wife, my children can open up and really share their heart with me. And so think of the word safe, S-A-F-E, okay? Jot this down. S stands for soft. You got to be soft, soft in your tone, soft in your words, soft in your reaction, soft in your body posture, all right? I'm like literally trying to think soft, all right, when I'm, when I'm here, because I'm just trying to I'm not aggressive, I'm not getting, I'm not getting loud, I'm not getting tense, I'm, I'm just being soft as I talk to them and approach them. S is for soft. A is to, uh, to affirm the relationship. I love you, I care about you. You're the, our relationship is the most important relationship and nothing's more important than this. And I just affirm our relationship and how much I love that person and how much I want that relationship to continue to grow and nothing's more important than that. S-A-F is for focused listening. I'm going to listen. I'm going to literally lean forward. I'm going to try. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to listen. I'm going to try to understand where that person is coming from and how they feel and what they're really dealing with. Really listening. I'm not going to try to be listening with one ear and the, and, and the other ear. I'm really uh, thinking about what I'm going to say. No, no, I'm just listening. And then E is empathy. I'm going to try to empathize and go, wow, I can understand how you would feel that way. I can understand the weight that you're going through. I can understand the pressure that you're under. I can understand why you reacted that way or how you saw it that way. I totally get it now. S-A-F-E, that's how you create a safe environment. And when it's safe, they will begin to open up and share their heart. What's really going on? I remember taking Liz to an Italian restaurant when we were... Again, just in our early years of marriage, and she was closed off. I had not done a good job of creating a safe environment. I was quick to be defensive and quick to plead my case and prove that she was wrong, and I'm always right, and, and it wasn't working very well, by the way. And I learned how to create this safe environment. I'm going to try it out, all right? So we go to this Italian restaurant. We sit down. She was kind of closed off, and so I, I just started being soft, right? And just being tender with my words and, and affirming how much I loved her and I cared about her. And I know things are kind of intense over the last several days. And I just, I didn't want that to happen. I wanted her to feel loved and cared for. Maybe somewhere along the line, I reached over the table and took her by the hand. And then um, I just, she started feeling safe enough to share some things. And so I wouldn't debate. I wouldn't get defensive. I just listened. I'm, I'm, I'm repeating back some of the things she's saying. And then to empathize, I can totally see how you can feel that way. I can't believe that I did that. I'm so sorry. And I, we're just having this great conversation. And she just opened right up. I mean, it just went from, from closed to open, like in a matter of 30 minutes. And I remember thinking in the back of my mind, wow, this really works, all right? I was like, wow, this is amazing. And that night, that evening, I learned something I will never forget that if I really want my wife to open up to me, I gotta take her to an Italian restaurant. <laughs> no, 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 no. Some guys are going, Italian restaurant. Yeah, that's it. No, no, no. No, I've got to create a safe place to have a hard conversation. Are you creating a safe environment for your children to share what's really on their heart? Are you creating a safe environment for your husband to open up to you? Are you creating a safe place for your wife to open up to you? 
A- Abraham here, he, he acknowledges uh, the problem, but he also prioritizes the relationship and, and he creates this environment where the next step can happen. And the next step is to work together to find solutions. You got to work together to find solutions. Look at verse 9. He says, is it the whole land before you? Separate from me. If you go left, I will go right. If you go right, I'll go left. In other words, they, they have a discussion that not all the discussion is written here in the, in the story, I'm sure, but, but they kind of come to this resolution. Hey, we can't keep all our stuff together. We've got to separate. There's not enough resources for us. And, and Abraham really does an amazing thing, a humble thing. He says, listen, you go right, I'll go left. You go left, I'll go right. You make the choice. What a great lesson here on solutions. He says, uh, Abraham doesn't demand his way. He really does what Philippians 2 talks about when it says, consider others more important than yourself. He takes a humble position. Abraham could have said, listen, I'm the old guy and I'm the patriarch and you're only here because I brought you anyway. And so I'm going to pick the spot and you're going to get the leftovers. But he doesn't do that. He takes this humble position and he says, you go right, I'll go left. You go left, I'll go right. Let's just find something that works. And he allows Lot to have some say in the solution. Solutions that work the best are solutions where both parties come to agreement together. Solutions that work the best are when both parties agree together. And of course, Lot agreed to his direction. Look at verse 10, what happens. Lot looked out and saw the entire plain of the Jordan as far as Zoar was well watered everywhere like the Lord's garden and like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose the entire plain of the Jordan for himself. Then Lot journeyed eastward and they separated from each other. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, but Lot lived in the cities on the plain and set up his tent near Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were evil, sinning immensely against the Lord. If you know the rest of the story, Lot made a lot of bad mistakes, a lot of bad choices, right? He, he, he chose a bad place to live, to surround himself with the wrong people, to surround his family with the wrong people. But it's interesting that Abraham continually prayed for Lot and continually sought to help Lot along the way. You may have family members and they're just making bad choices, right? They're not doing what is right, what's wise. Abraham doesn't come in there and say, no, 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 you can't go over there because those are bad people. You've got to do X, Y, Z. He let Lot make up his mind. Yeah, I've heard it said often that uh, you make your choices and then your choices make you. But he was there, Abraham was there to pray for Lot, to intercede for Lot, and to help him when he could. And maybe in your conflict right now, some family member's making a bad choice, but you can pray for them and you can help them as much as you can to direct them back to the Lord. You've got to work together to find solutions. And then the last one, jot this number five, you gotta trust God for new beginnings. Trust God for new beginnings. Look at verse 14. After Lot had separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, look from the place where you are. Look north and south, east and west. For I will give you and your offspring forever all the land you see. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the the dust of the earth, 
so uh, your offspring could be counted. Now get up and walk around the land. Walk through the length and width, for I give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and went to live near the oaks of Mamre and Hebron, where the Lord, where he built an altar to the Lord. He said, uh, hey, Abram, I know this has been a big conflict. And I know you don't think the Lot's making some wise choices here, but I'm going to bless you anyway. <laughs> and look at all the stuff I'm going to give you. And then the Lord leads him to a place called Hebron. Now, Hebron will become one of the, one of the top four cities in Judaism. Hebron would be the place where Abraham and Sarah would be buried and where their sons and their wives would be buried. All the patriarchs are buried still in Hebron. Hebron would become the first capital city of the nation of Israel. Hebron would be the place where King David would be anointed king there and rule there for over seven years. Hebron was a place of new beginnings. Listen, many times when you're in a conflict, you think things are coming to an end. But God often uses conflict to do something new, to create new depth of relationship in your marriage, a new depth of relationship with your children. Many times God uses conflict to do something new in us, right? God will use this conflict like sandpaper to rub off the rough edges in our lives and to bring us to greater dependence on him and greater prayer. And so God is doing new things in you as you trust him in the conflict. So families that are built to last, they really work hard on these things. They really work hard to resolve conflict and repair these relationships. So how's it going in your family? You know, at the heart of the gospel is reconciliation. Conflict resolution is really the heart of the gospel. Remember that, that relational cycle I put up there at the beginning of the talk? Remember that? Let's put that up there one more time. Connection. You were created to connect with God. God created you with the desire and capacity to know him and to walk with him and to enjoy him. That's why you were made. In fact, the desire for more is really a desire for God. And you were created for that kind of connection. But that connection was ruptured because of sin. That sin has ruptured your relationship with God. You are separated from God. You're distant from God. And even in our own hearts, we know it. When we put our head on the pillow at night, we know we're distant from God. We know we're not right with God. We know there's got to be more to life than this. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to repair that relationship. But that could only happen through his death on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for your sin and mine so that we could be restored back into connection with our Father and to live the life that you were created and born to live. Listen, you'll never really have connection this way until you first have connection this way. You'll never learn how to repair the relationship that's been ruptured this way until you first say, God, I need you to repair this relationship between me and you. Why not you bow your heads with me for just a minute? You may be here today and you say, Craig, I don't know how to repair that. I know I'm not right with God, but I don't really know how to do that. Well, in just a minute, I'm going to say a simple prayer of faith 
and ask, asking the Lord Jesus to forgive and, and to make us clean on the inside and to restore us back into relationship with God. And, and if you are unclear of your walk with God, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never prayed to receive Christ, if you've never responded to his great love, then this can be your moment. You can pray this simple prayer with me and ask Christ to forgive you and to fill you with his spirit and to help you be an agent of healing in your family. So everybody's head bowed, nobody looking around. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Craig, I need Christ in my life. I need to be right with God. I know that. Would you pray for me? Then I just want you to lift up your hand. I'm not gonna call you out in any way, but I'll see your hand and I'll pray for you. So just lift up your hand. Pastor, pray for me. I don't know that I'm right with God, but I know I need to be right with God. And I, and I don't wanna leave here without knowing for sure that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with the Lord. So lift up your hand. Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus, all right? Thank you. All right, lift up your hand. Pastor, pray for me. I just need to know that I'm right with the Lord Jesus. Anybody else? God's moving in your heart. Just lift up your hand so I can see it. Pastor, pray for me. Okay. All right, you can put your hand down now. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you. And I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again from the dead. And so I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please wash me clean. I turn from my sin and I place my trust in you, Jesus. And I wanna follow you all the days of my life. Father, I thank you for your word today. Thank you for how relevant it is to us, Lord. We all deal with conflicts at home. And I know, Lord, that right now there are so many people hearing my voice that they're going home to a home of conflict. They're going to leave this building and then walk straight back into the conflict that has been unresolved. Lord, I pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to know how to resolve these things in a biblical way, in a healthy way. Lord, help us to create safe spaces to connect with our family. Lord, help us to, to overlook the offense when we can and when we can't to acknowledge these things, Lord, and work towards solutions, praying all the time that you will bring healing and hope. Lord, we love you. We need you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.